Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. Hey, let me give a little introduction before Brittany comes up and reads the text, and we're going to do the reading together today, actually. Um, So I appreciated the emphasis of the singing. It was, uh, Cindy said that this was focusing on to whom are we praying, just a reminder of that, our Father God, which was actually the message two weeks ago. So we, this is, uh, I guess technically we've just finished two weeks in January, woohoo, and um, this is the third week to come, so we've had this rhythm for a number of years, what we call the 21 days of prayer. As Justin said this morning, <clears throat> 6 a.m. tomorrow morning, uh, there'll be a group of us just gathered to pray. One of the things that we do together is learning to pray scripture. As he said, it, it's been really wonderful, and for me, one of the experiences is, and, and you said this, um, it's praying with other people. And let me say this, we have a lot of novice prayers, you don't have to be a pro and a veteran, meaning you just come in and it's, it, it's very simple. But over the years, we've had a lot of people say like, I feel like I learned to pray here. And even veteran prayers, we don't know how to pray scripture. So one of the beauties for me is hearing a word, a phrase of scripture that it struck someone else. And it happened again today. As I'm listening to one brother pray, the Holy Spirit said some things to me very specifically. So it's a wonderful thing. Uh, we tend to do that the first three weeks of the year. It'll be tomorrow. Uh, you don't get graded. The super spiritual aren't here at 6 a.m., you know, but we do this then. At the Sawyer campus, they'll be doing the same thing. I think it's at 1 o'clock in the afternoon for the less spiritual. Just kidding. <laughs> for, <laughs> there is no marker for getting up earlier, but we all got different rhythms once you know you're invited. So <clears throat> again, what we've done the first three weeks, you know, we put, I should say in November, we put a pause on our Matthew series, which we're going to pick up again. And we decided in these first three weeks to make the emphasis of this being the Lord's Prayer. And as Cindy said, which is really week one, he begins the prayer with our our Father God, our Father which art in heaven. So this will be the last Sunday that way. But as as I was preparing for the January 1st sermon, the very first one, it's uh, January 1st, so it's Christmas, New Year's on, on Sunday, kind of a, an interesting rhythm, but I was thinking a lot about prayer and New Year. So the, this is how I was thinking. So, and I won't do a show of hands, but some of us, when we get to New Year, we love it. We like clean starts. I'm like, I'm, I'm setting my goals. I'm doing whatever. Some of us go like, I hate that. <clears throat> but some of us are looking that way. And there's also, so there's a looking ahead, but there's also some reflecting back sometimes. And I've been in a lot of circles where, actually, I brought in the new year with some friends. That's we, we're just looking back there and just thanking God. And it was the same as the scripture this morning about God's faithfulness, all these different things. So I'm thinking about that, preparing for the sermon on prayer and our Father God. And I was just thinking back, and I was thinking about the course of my life, which I got a lot of years in now. And I think about what I learned about prayer, when I, when I, how I learned to pray. And really, I was thinking, <clears throat> so I have these, these markers in my life. I'm going to share a couple of them with you. But times when I remember God just answering some prayers in some ways. And really, I, as I was thinking about it, this is how I learned to walk with God. So I think prayers come. So the very, the very first one, I'm, oh, man, <clears throat> tell this unemotional. Nine years old, 
and 10 months. So I'm the oldest of four boys. Uh, my youngest brother, we're just about six years apart. He's three years and 10 months old. So we are, this is the 60s. We are downstate Illinois at some, uh, this gathering, I think it was Lake Bloomington. Remember dirt roads to get it. And it's a bunch of my, my parents' friends from this ministry that my dad became a Christian when, when I was very young. I just remember the huge change in his life. My folks both grew up in irreligious families, super dysfunctional. Um, God just did a divine <clears throat> work in my parents' life. But I come into this family that's being shaped that way. So um, we started going to church when I was pretty little. I was probably two or three, maybe three-ish. But it wasn't people just went to church. Like my folks, they were lit up by God. So we're in this, this uh, group. It was kind of this ministry they're supporting. And I, I remember, so they, they had a boat and they're out there. This is like a, a vacation day. And they had a pop machine with free pop. And back in those days, it came out in a glass bottle. And I, I think they were 16 ounces. Do you remember those? They don't do that anymore. They were just like huge, you know? But you could go and get one for free. I thought I was kid heaven, you know? I didn't care about going on the bottle. So I remember being out there at the free pop. And I was down, I was down the dock. And I remember seeing my brother. Uh, he's not yet four years old. He's got that bottle of pop. He's running down the grass hill, playing tag with somebody. I'm just about ready to go, Joel, stop. And he gets to the end and hits the dock with his foot and he falls. I'm, I'm telling you, when I see him, I, I felt like that 16 ounce bottle was like half as big as his torso. And he falls right on it. And so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not 10 yet. And his whole gut splits open. No, it's bad. And I didn't know it, but it's all his intestines that come out. And they're bloody. And my mom picks him up, screams my dad, and they are off and gone in 60 seconds. And it's me and two more brothers there and a whole bunch of people I don't know. But I remember this. I remember them calling them off the boat. I, I think it was about 30 of them. I remember them grabbing. I remember the woman. She's a friend. Marilyn Anthony. She gets this blue swimsuit. And she just hold me right here. I remember them calling out to God. And all I know before 10 years old is I thought I saw my brother die. They are 45 minutes from a hospital. <clears throat> so there is, I won't tell you the story, there is one miracle after another that God, this is on a Sunday. There's a specialist who's rounding on a Sunday. There's a cop that comes by and gives them an escort and they didn't even show it up. That, that cop was so nervous when he saw my brother, he couldn't put the money in the cigarette machine at the hospital. My dad just goes, I'm like, I mean, <clears throat> I remember how God saved my brother's life. Still bears a scar. I'm not 10. And all I know is, God, here's prayer. That was, that was pronounced in my life. I remember it. I remember being in high school <clears throat> when God said no, and I was really mad. You got one of those? <clears throat> now I'm in high school. We're in California. It's right before my senior year. My dad gets transferred back to central Illinois. We're in an awesome church, awesome youth group. I got great friends. And we got to leave before my senior year? You got to be kidding me. Now I got all these reasons why I want to stay. I, really, that was a time in my life where I really felt like I, I started studying the word. The word of God's alive in me. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. And like, I'm gonna, so I'm like, I'm praying. I'm like, I got friends that say, you can stay just for the senior year. You can, you can stay with us. And like, and God said, no. I was not happy about it. And that next year of my life, when I have to go to a high school of 4,000 people in my high school, 
And you're like, that was the best year of my life in high school. Because God weaned me from a whole bunch of things. It was an awesome youth group. I could, I mean, we just hiking in the mountains, things that God did in my life with his word, but all gone. I was leaning on something that was good and not so much on God. He just took it all away. So that, I felt like a nothing in 4,000 people at West Aurora. That's where they made the Ted and whatever movie, I think, you know. <clears throat> I felt like nothing. But I had him. He never left. And that's where I really learned that more personally than I ever had. I remember in college, <clears throat> I'm in Chicago in college. So those of you who know that Cindy me, she's the extrovert. Um, and she, she's never met a stranger. I, I, I got this job where I got to be a little more extra, but I'm not. You see me on vacation, I'm just like fine with my book, and you can go talk to people, and I'm just like, you know. <clears throat> so, but I'm walking down the street, this one, I'm walking down, I remember exactly where it was, Chicago Avenue. I think it's my first year, uh, first year there. And uh, Clark Street, I think it's a cosmopolitan banker there. And for whatever reason, that night, I felt like I wanted to share Jesus with somebody. And that's just not me. I, I'm like, I'm okay. If you want to talk, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm okay just, but I, for some reason, I felt like it. And I remember I'm, I'm seriously walking across the pedestrian uh, crosswalk and I'm, and I'm praying this just in my mind. You know how you do that? And while I'm praying it, someone comes up and begins to talk to me. I'm walking across the intersection, begins to talk to me. And you know how in milliseconds you're just thinking things? In milliseconds, I'm thinking, you're interrupting my prayer. And God said, I'm answering your prayer. <laughs> I'm like, oh. So got to the other side. And the guy was asking me for something, something I wasn't going to do or whatever. I just said, hey, what you're asking for, I, I'm not giving you, but, I, but what you need, I have. And let me, can I just tell you about Jesus? He goes, yeah. For like 10 minutes, we stood, on the, we stood there on the street corner. And I just shared with him. I don't remember what I said, but I remember, I remember tears streaming down his face. Saying, would you, and he says, would you pray for me? I remember it. I remember when we lived in... Uh, <clears throat> in Romania with our four older kids. This is in the mid-90s, not that long after the revolution. I remember my prayer gasp. It's not a fully articulated prayer. It's just, you got those? The gasp. This is a 15-passenger van. I'm just telling you, I got some markers in my life. I remember. <clears throat> Driving this 15-passenger van through the mountains, about a five, six-hour drive to the capital, Bucharest, and, uh, <clears throat> yeah, we'd always go in because the people would come into the airport about five in the morning, so you got to drive all night long to get them. So it's this all-night drive and winding mountains, so there's, you know, there'd be like a cattle truck in front. It'd be slow, you know, so you got to figure out when you can pass. I'm in this slow vehicle in front of me, and I'm coming up, and I could see the headlights of the vehicle on the other side. So there's plenty of time to get around him, but it's a, it's a mountain road. And I remember put my blinker on, get around him, because I, I could see the guy in front of me. What I couldn't see was the Mercedes-Benz behind him, who's flying up about 100 miles an hour. And here we are, two cars coming at each other in this two-lane road, and it's a mountain road. It was a prayer gasp. I do not know how we missed each other to this day. I don't know how it was not a head-on collision. But I'll tell you this, it's the first time I ever felt angels or God's presence in my life like that. I didn't have time to articulate a prayer. As a gasp. I got, I got countless smaller prayers. I don't know if you have these. I don't know why I'm so stubborn. But this prayer like, Lord, would you, can you just help me find fill in the blank? Okay? 
But just so you know, usually it's about an hour down the road when I've looked myself before I asked that prayer. And I, I don't know, 15 times in my life, maybe more. God, can you help me find the keys? I have looked forever about him. And I, I wait, why do I wait so long to ask him? And, and seriously, when I've asked, it's like within a minute, not every time, but so many times it's uncanny. I'm like, were you like hiding those from me? So I'd ask you now? And it's like, it's right, it's strange. I got these rhythms, all these different ways that I've seen. Um, years ago, I learned to write, we got six kids, okay, six grown kids now. And um, they all got different strengths and weaknesses. And uh, I was reading this book called Praying Life. It's just really impactful to me, and, uh, which I'd recommend. <clears throat> but he had this thing about writing these prayer cards, like an index card for your kid. So sometimes we pray, like along the wall, we got these prayer requests. Some of them are like, Lord, I need this now. But these prayer cards were like themes in my kids' lives. And he just encouraged, just keep it with you. So I've, I've been praying them for years. And I pull them on, see, and then over the long haul, see what God's done and nudged along the way. Why do I share all that with you? I'm just like you. I want to learn to walk with God. I want to learn to pray. But I, must, I, want, I think learning to pray and doing this is how I've learned to walk with God. So I just put, picked a bunch of different kinds of stories that I remember. I was thinking about them between Christmas and New Year's. And that's, that's it for me. These answers over many years in different ways at different times. He doesn't always answer the same way, but this is how I learned to walk with him. So a lot of us think about prayer as, as simply asking God for help. Here's what's true. We all always have needs. But most people think of term entirely, most people think of prayer entirely in those terms. We turn to God when we need help, right? That's okay. Thad, you got that photo? Remember this? Two weeks ago. Remember that? Damar Hamlin, that tackle, that hit, everybody paused. It's interesting. Football game, Monday night football. Big. Bigger than any of us in here, right? They're strong men. They need God. In that moment, there they are. They're kneeling. They're praying. It, it didn't take much for that time. Dan Orlowski's, anybody hear his prayer? Right on. The ESPN commentator, he's like, he prays. There's no, there's no PC here. I'm not, not being political. Correct. He knows there's a need to pray here. Still true for us. Time and when you know you need help, it's actually still common in our culture for certain people to turn. I would say we still have this God memory. That was a good moment. That was a good moment nationally. I mean, God, God showed mercy in that moment. Okay, you can take it down. Thanks, Dad. All right. So, for what should we pray? For what should we pray? So I think that's where Jesus' instruction is very helpful to us. So I'm going to concentrate today in the Lord's Prayer on the last three verses, 11, 12, and 13. But we're going to read the whole thing together. So would you stand with me? Brittany's going to come up and lead us. I'm going to say this as she does. Did you get the mic? Justin, you got it? So she's going to lead in the reading, but let's us all do this together with her. So I'm going to say this. I won't say it long, but she's experienced... Um, some significant family loss very recently. 
I asked her unknowingly to, if she'd read, she said, yes. Then she told me and, uh, I said, why did you say yes? She just, she asked for this. She said, could everybody read with me? I do that. So let me say this. She doesn't know this. Well, I've had three conversations with three different people here where you've experienced significant loss. Some of it right this in the last week and that. So you know that. So as we do this, we're reading this. It's the Lord's Prayer. Let's read it together and praying. So Thad, you got it up there for us? Okay. Thank you, Brittany. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray as we stand. Thank you. Jesus, today we simply say this in this moment. Thank you for being here, your spirit being present with us. Let our hearts be open to you and your word, your instruction. And we ask that you do the work within every single one of us. A unique work that you know how to do specific to each one. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Hey, Thad, go back and put that up. I didn't tell you this. But I, I just want to do something really quick. Um, I want you to notice the progression in this prayer. Now, we're going to concentrate on um, 11, 12, and 13. But, is that verse? Yeah, it's verse 9 here. <clears throat> really reminds us to whom do we pray. So that was sermon number one. So if you're used to the rhythm here, uh, we'll have a different guy preaching on each campus, but you, if you miss a sermon, you can always go online and get it. So you can go back to January 1, and uh, I, think, I think that week both Mike and I were preaching. But this, here it is. It's our Father in heaven. I'm not going to repeat the sermon. But remembering that God's our Father is a huge deal. Remembering that he's in heaven with all authority is a huge deal. And then he's holy. We want him to be treated holy as his name is. That's what we want. So the first thing is, to whom am I praying? The next thing that's interesting in verse 10 is it's in our prayers. We, his, what he says is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done right here, just like it is in heaven. So the aspect of that is, do I desire what God wants? What, what is God's will? What, is, what are those things? And most of us don't start there. Some of us have never thought about that. But in Jesus' instruction, that's the first two things he gets to before he gets to specific requests that are needs. Interesting, isn't it? So I think there's probably a good pattern for us. Remember, to whom am I praying? Ask him for what he wants here. I think it's a good orientation. And then come and bring our needs in verses 11 to 13. Okay, with your Bibles open, go ahead. Let's, look, let's think about 11 to 13. I think... Go ahead and go to the other slide, I think. All right. <clears throat> so, we put up, so in the italics there, that's the verbs used. But I think they indicate something. Give, uh, give us this day our daily bread. There's a dependence there. We're going to talk about that. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. There's a, there's a prayer for forgiveness. And then finally, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one deliverance. 
I think that's kind of the, the pattern in that. All right, let's, so that's, that's what I'm gonna use really for the, the, the outline of thinking through this aspect of his prayer. <clears throat> let's think first about um, dependence. Give us this day our daily bread. <clears throat> this day, what's he talking about? Not complicated, is it? It's about today. Every day is today, right? This particular, there is, it, it, here in this prayer, there's an aspect of a daily dependence upon God. Oh, I bet you most of us could say that. Yeah, we need to do that. Do we do that? So think about, uh, if you remember this, the children of Israel. So Jesus is teaching this. Uh, his disciples, all those gathered in the mountain, they remember the story of the children of Israel being out there, they're 400 years in captivity, living under polytheism. They really had no concept of who God is when they come out into the wilderness. So those, those 10 plagues, really 10 demonstration of God Almighty over these, the God of the river, the God of the harvest, and these little polytheistic demons is what they were worshiping. So they've got this deliverance by God, but now they're out in the wilderness and God's showing them some other things about himself. So the sacrificial system is holiness. The law is holiness. But there's this aspect of provision. Okay, any, any campers in this room? Okay. So when you go camping, usually you're getting food ahead of time, right? I mean, depending on where you camp, you know, you generally you need to bring it with unless there's a store nearby, depending on how remote it is. My wife is hilarious when we travel. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. So we just went down to watch grandkids down in Florida. And because I do all this international travel and stuff, you know, um, we went into the lounge. Oh, look what she left. Okay, she knows right where I'm going. So we go into the lounge, you know, like, we go to the lounge. Okay, so, oh, hey, they got chicken wraps here. Okay, by the way, we're not going camping. We're going to Florida. There's actually an Aldi Foods within two hours of where we're going to stay. We know where to buy cheap food. We already know this. But I go get the wraps and I, you know, we got to eat. We got a while. I go, hey, I brought two wraps back. Do you know what? What do you think she said? <clears throat> no, good, good, good. That is good, Sue. No, she said, you didn't get enough. <laughs> so I'm serious. How many, how many do you think we collected in our bags to take? Six. No, way more than that. I had six. We, we, it's double digits, okay? <laughs> I'm eating these things, I don't, know, I don't know for how long in her time. Okay? She's collecting the food, you know? That's just what, she's awesome. She's, uh, she's gonna, but it, food, she wants to make sure we always got enough of. We generally, I always have enough food. It's like I can find it, okay? <clears throat> so this whole thing in the wilderness, here they are. <clears throat> Did they prepare like that? Did they, pre- they bring enough food? How long are they there? I think what God's teaching them. Every morning they wake up. They don't have, every morning they wake up and God provides for them this manna, this bread. So let's say I'm out here on a Monday mornings like, whoa, got bread. Man, I got, I got, I got the rest of the week to come too. I got to get, I'm going to collect a little more that I can eat. Remember what happened? Remember what God said to him? Just take enough for today. Well, a couple guys didn't believe in God's faithfulness. You know, I get it. I, I <laughs> do you, I, I get challenged that way all the time. Like, I know you said that, but you know, Tuesday's coming too, so they took a little bag, and all the worms came and ate that bread. God said, I, I said, just take enough for today. I'm going to provide for you. It's like that every day. Okay, take extra. Every day, I'm going to daily depend. I'm going to provide for you. It's a, it's a huge picture for They live this out for 40 years, but on the Sabbath, they can't collect bread. 
So what did he tell them to do? Remember this? The day before? No, you collect twice as much for that day and the next day. And the worms didn't come. Get how God acts differently at different times, but according to his word, he's faithful. I will provide for you all the time. There's this lesson here about daily dependence on God. Give us this day our daily bread. Here's my trouble. I don't know if you're in my club. Here's my trouble. I don't tend to ask God for the things that I think I already know how to get. How about you? I think that's us. I know where to get bread. So I don't ask him. We're supposed to ask him. Why would I ask God for bread that I can buy? Why would I? Friends, God wants to provide the simplest things. He wants us to come and ask him all the time. There's a daily dependence on him. So here's one of the lessons I think from this part of the prayer. We can ask our father about anything and everything and we should. So I'm guilty in terms of the confession part. I don't ask enough. I need to. I'm, probably, I'm, I'm actually convinced that God probably hides my keys on me sometimes just for that reason, just to teach me again. I don't know how many times this happened in my life. But that's it. So again, <clears throat> one of my favorite books on prayer, it's called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. I would recommend it. I learned, I've learned a lot by that. But he tells his story about his, it's his elderly mother. It's either in Philly or Boston. I think it's Boston. <clears throat> and he finds out and he says, Mom, you're praying for a parking place? Like, I mean, you're asking God for a parking place? And she goes like, how else would you find a parking place in Boston? I'm like, that's pretty good. But don't we tend to do that? Things that we, we think we can provide for ourselves. So I think, I think there's something, again, we have to think, this is our father. Our father's not stingy. He loves to provide. Maybe that's more about the relationship and just talking to him about stuff. We can ask about anything and everything, and we should. I think there's a lot more about the relationship than the particular need. So I'm, I'm one of these like, here's, go get it done, guys. I, I, God, it's expediency. That's not how God is. I think God's much more about this relationship. And, and prayer is that where we learn to walk with him. He just wants, he wants fellowship with him. He's provided it because of his son's death. And now Jesus is teaching us, here's how you pray. Don't pray like the Gentiles do. They got to repeat these things. They think you should repeat the statement all the time. No, no, there's a relational aspect to this. That's what he's saying. We can ask our father about anything and everything, and we should. The Lord's continually reminding me of that. Second one, forgiveness. He says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So this is acknowledging two very, very important facts of life. The first one's this. Lance, where's Lance at? Because we were kind of talking about this this morning. Um, We have sinned against God and we need forgiveness. That is true of all of us. That's what Jesus has provided, what God has provided through his son. Some people don't think that way much. It, it, It is true. We are now, as his children, we are forgiven, justified sinners. But that's still there. <clears throat> so we've sinned against God and need forgiveness. Secondly, others sin against us. And we need to extend forgiveness. Those are two fundamental realities of life that not everybody actually grasps. Um, another book that I'm reading, Lou said today, I think uh, we're, half, we're each halfway through this book, I'd recommend... Um, 
Anybody know the, uh, the pastor, Timothy Keller? Familiar with that one? Okay. So he's got a book on forgiveness that uh, just came out. I think the paperback comes out uh, this month. Um, if you know his writing, <clears throat> so he's, he's thoroughly biblical, but he's, one of the things he's excellent about looking at, at, at history and also particularly um, current culture. And one of the things that he talks about is how uh, forgiveness, I mean, in, in the very beginning, of this, it, it is not a, a popular concept. Forgiveness is uniquely Christian, uniquely so. So if you've been raised in a Christian ethos culture, as much of America is, even if it wasn't practicing, there's still an aspect there. But a secularist does not recognize any offense against God and also has great difficulty putting forgiveness into the repertoire of their life. So you might be aware of this in current writing. So social media, blog posts, lots of place. Here's where criticism has been, <laughs> where forgiveness has been getting criticized very recently in the last decade. Here's one. You'll, you'll hear this. You know what? Talk about sexual abuse or whatever. Why would you ever forgive the abuser? Why would you ever forgive him? To ask the one abused to forgive the abuser is a power play. Why does this person have to forgive that one? All you do by forgiving them is perpetuate that sin going on. And there, so there's, there's some part of that we go like, ah, that makes some sense to me. And let me just say this. Sexual abuse is not a theoretical thing around here, okay? So it's in, our, it's in both our childhood past, others here. So this is not a, I'm not being light on the subject. It's a big deal. I just recommend reading Keller's book on this one because he talked about the justice aspect and the, and, the, and the forgiveness aspect. But in culture, it's like, there's no way. There's no way you ever forgive it. You don't. You want as much justice, and that will never be enough put on that person. You want as much harm to them because they can never replace what they've never give what they've taken away. Second one place you'll hear it in our culture currently is that there's a lot of writing to, to encourage African-Americans to never forgive colonial white racism. Do not ever, do not ever forgive it. And it's out there all over in places. Um, let me just ask, it's not my notes. Anybody ever see the movie uh, 12 Years a Slave? Okay, quite a few. Any of you ever read the autobiography? Have you? It's awesome, isn't it? It's so different than the movie. I'd recommend that to you. So I, I don't know where you found it. I, I, it was University of... Uh, uh, North Carolina. It was on their website. I was able to find it. I don't know where you, you got it, but I just read the whole thing. It's, it's incredible <clears throat> because what they take out of the movie is his faith story. There's no way he could survive that except his relationship with the Lord. And it's, I'll just say it's incredible in what he wrote. And it's no, uh, there's one sentence in the movie and that's about it. There's a lot of evil in the world and that gets there into the last part of the prayer. Okay. God brings justice. He will do that. So Christian forgiveness is not forgiveness outside of justice. It's through that window. It's through accountability in that. But a, a secularist, they just don't have it in their, in their repertoire. A Christian understands the relationship between us having sinned against God and also living in a world where people sin against us. Both things are true. 
And the Bible teaches a kind of forgiveness which includes justice, but I want to say to you, it is otherworldly. Forgiveness is not a human idea. It just is not. Now, let me, let me read this verse again because there's a confusing part of this verse, I think, that can get misread. I just want to walk through it. It's that word as, which I, I love in the scripture. Um, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. What is Jesus saying here? What is the as referred to? So follow me. Does this mean God forgive me as or in the same way as I have forgiven others? Is that what it's saying? Does that, does that sound like the Bible? Is God's forgiveness of us based upon my forgiving of others? Well, if that's so, if my forgiving of others gets me, God, then I've earned it, right? It's back, that doesn't sound like the Bible, it's backwards. So what is Jesus saying here? This, simply. These two relationships are connected. This one and this one. All throughout scripture you'll see this. It's, it's more like, as also we have, that phrase functions as a connector of these two relationships being inseparable. So if I would paraphrase it, here's how I'd say it. <clears throat> if you don't forgive others, it shows that you've not genuinely experienced God's forgiveness. I think it'd be a paraphrase of what he's, what he's saying there. You can leave that up, Thad, for just a little bit. Let me just walk you through this. If you think about what it is to be forgiven, to be born of the Spirit, to have this happen to us. So when that is, <clears throat> sin is removed or the person is forgiven who comes to God by faith and repentance. That's it. That's the surrender. Um, there, there's this aspect of leaning into him. You recognize need. There's repentance is that turning from whatever. That's where, that's the person who is forgiven. That's the person to whom sin is removed. An unrepentant person has not experienced forgiveness. They haven't. So a true child of God, born, born of the spirit, they've received what they never could have believed they could receive. They've received God's forgiveness, his complete unearned mercy and favor. And they are overwhelmed by such mercy. Their hearts are repentant, grateful, humble. And where that is true, that person forgives others in like manner. Okay. So let me say it simply a little bit different way. Truly understanding and receiving Christ's forgiveness helps us to forgive truly. That's it. That's the connector in this. And that's what we're praying for. That's part of his prayer. <clears throat> so I'm doing pretty quick in this section. I don't want to be light on it. I, I think for some of us, this is like lifelong work. Because here's what I know. The world's evil, real hurts, real sins have happened. And those things go deep. But here's, we, we need to, to understand and believe this. Jesus gets it all. Oh, you seen the, he gets us? Have you seen those ads? He gets us? Has nobody seen them? Okay. Maybe they're only on sports things or something. That's about all I watch. Yeah, he gets us. It, it's, a really, it's a really good ad campaign. Um, but it's true. He's experienced it to the ultimate degree. He is, it's, it's the um, part of the verses we read today, the prayer. He is our high priest. He's walked in our shoes, in our skin, yet without sin. And he intercedes for us. 
Final one, deliverance. He prays, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. Here's what it acknowledges. The world is not yet what it will be. There is a brokenness in life. I think we're all very familiar with that. That brokenness has actually always existed since Adam blamed Eve for the sin. The woman you, and God. The woman you gave me. It goes right to that next generation as Cain murders his brother Abel. How much evil from the very beginning of scripture is there? Evil has come to earth and it's an evil that wants to destroy us, wants to keep us from our creator God. It's all around us. And friends, creation right now is groaning for that to be ended, for Jesus to return. Amen? Come Lord Jesus, deliver us from evil. How? So here's another ways I'd paraphrase that phrase. Let the evil that exists in this world, let it not overtake me, Lord. We have that one, Chad? Let the evil that exists in this world not overtake me. Um, So I got a friend who lives out of state. Um, So he's in his second marriage. Both he and his wife experienced some really uh, uh, heart-crushing divorces by spouses that were unfaithful to them and just rejected them. Um, actually divorced them. And so they're in, <clears throat> these two are married. They still, they got kids and they got this, you know, how the shared custody goes. Um, her first husband is uh, one of the most godless men I've ever heard of. And he lives for his vindictiveness on them. He gets a twisted, strange joy of any way he can create harm for her and disruption for the kids. And the stories are just, I mean, they're just gut-wrenching. But Sean prays this all the time. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There's real evil in the world. Some of you, you got situations where you're walking through it. Here's the thing. Am I asking God for, for help through this? It's all around me. Truth, there's an evil that's all around us. Secondly, what Jesus instructs us is that we are to seek the Lord's help first. Do you believe that the Father hears your prayers? He hears them. He hears the things you don't know how to put into words. That's what, that's what Romans 8 says. The Spirit intercedes and groans for us. He, he knows such things. He hears your prayers and he loves to help his kids. So here's a Am I asking for that help over this evil? And the deal is, I got to keep, just like asking for daily bread all the time this day, I got to keep asking for that help because my heart will drift to other, th- other things. Very often, we try our own means of coping with the evil, with the sins against us. It won't sustain you. You won't make it. But let me go back to my first stories. This is how we will learn to walk with God. This is how he actually becomes real and more than just something we've read in scripture. This is the relationship he desires to have for us. This is where you will know the love of the Father, the power of God Almighty who is in heaven as you ask him and as he provides. Now here's the thing. He won't necessarily provide in the way you want or the way you ask, but he will provide in ways you cannot believe beyond what you can ask or imagine. That's the one who, who he is. So I think Paul, if you have your Bibles, just turn briefly to Romans 12. I'm going to read this and close, basically. 
the last half of Romans 12, I think Paul gives his instruction. He's basically saying, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I think he has Jesus' prayer in mind. So I'm just going to read it. And maybe you go back to this later. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Does that make any sense? In this whole section, there's this aspect of releasing revenge, the desire for that, to God. What would it be to bless them? To, to pray for my, to have them blessed is that they might actually turn to God and would flourish in God. All that evil that's in them, it's in them, it's got them. You're praying for that. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Many are doing that with one with another right now this week. Live in harmony one with another. Don't be haughty or proud, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give, next slide, but give thought, don't repay evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Interesting. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You can't control them, but on your part, live peaceably. Beloved, when he says that, the word beloved is, he's reminding us, you are much loved by God as his child. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it for the wrath of God. For it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You get what that's saying? You don't have to bring, let God, God will do that. God will bring ultimate justice. Now, our courts and all that, have, they are agents of God to do that, but God will, God will ultimately set things right. You don't have to be going and fighting for, so the word I'm going to use is revenge. Bitterness and revenge are those things that, that's, that's what comes up in us. He says, no, you leave that to God. That's his promise. That's his word. He'll, if God said it, he'll do it. I'll repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. By so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. I think all those instructions to the church in Rome comes from this prayer of Jesus. And let me just say this. I do a lot of work with the persecuted church. They get this way differently than we do. Justin mentioned earlier this aspect of individual being, you know, we're, we have this individual orientation with this aspect of community and how, how the Lord has called us to community in the body of Christ. We can learn a lot from the persecuted church in these things. They follow this in faith in ways that are inconceivable to us. Americans fight, we fight for our rights. We think individualistic. We, 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 we think this is what I deserve. This is my right. It, it's part of our culture. It's part of, I don't know, the household you grew up with. That's how we think. Scripture's orienting us to something else. So here it is, how? <clears throat> how do I, how am I not overcome this? If you respond in like manner with revenge and bitterness, evil not only has come to you, it has you in its grip. You're ov- you overcome evil by following Jesus. That's it. In some form, it will come to us all. The question is, how will we respond? And I'd ask you this. 
Are you aware of Jesus' presence? Are you asking him about that in it? Will you follow his, his word in this situation? And I know this, he will, he will lead you. Last two days, I got a texting conversation with a guy who's going through a very difficult conversation, very difficult relationship. But I know this, I know the Lord's presence. I know in the difficulty, the Lord wants to meet him. I know that he's not alone. He can lead you through temptation and deliver you. That's, that's the prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen? So here's how I want to close. So again, in this praying, we're remembering, to whom am I speaking? God, what's your desires and what's your will? Here's my needs. My, my, my daily dependence. Here's the forgiveness I need. Here's the forgiveness I need to give. Here's the deliverance I need also. <clears throat> so I'm going to pray, but I am going to, let's just let it be silent and you talk to the Lord about whatever he's spoken to you. Because I believe this, in the gathering of his people, we know he's present. I think he's speaking through his word. So let's do that and then I'll, I'll close in prayer. Let's pray. Father, I ask this in these moments. You, you know the heart of everybody here. You know those listening on the internet. You know what we need. I pray, Lord, that this would be a time when you are heard. You are heard. I pray that we'd receive from you what you want to do. And I pray that you would grant us the faith to believe you and to follow you. And in that way, oh Lord, might your will be done on earth in our lives just like it's done in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.